welcome back to a new season of the Divorce Dames podcast. In the last season, we discussed the drama, dilemmas, and misadventures of navigating the post-divorce life. This season, we're discovering, understanding, and appreciating our true selves in this post-divorce life. I'm Stephanie Wren. And I'm Anne. And we are your hosts. So, we have restructured things a little bit. Um, We still have the very familiar segments that you're used to. Some of them have a fresh new title or maybe a new little structure. Are we ready to debrief? Sure. Let's get into it. So, what's new this week? What's new with you, Boo? Oh, let's see. This week, um, there's I have three things. I'm gonna save the best for last. Mm. First, um, I kind of made a note here called "Her Introvert's Way into New Friendships." So yes. I was very interested in this note when I saw yes. it because it's uh, you know, I'm now 32. Last week was my birthday. I yes, know. happy birthday! Boo boo boo. And I've noticed with age, I'm aging into my personality, first of all. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I it's always been difficult for me to make friends, just like on the fly. I've, I've been very impressed with people who can just have five friends in a matter of a week. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go home and watch Stranger <laughs> Things and pet my cats. Yeah. Um, but just through time with my new job and new employees, uh, employees I work with, I know I've talked in previous seasons and or previous episodes about my coworkers and how great they are and I love them. Um, so we finally had this triple date with my new boo, which I kind of, spoiler alert, uh, mm-hmm. get ready for that. Um with a couple coworkers, two, actually three, three of them are coworkers, and one is the coworker of uh, this guy. Uh, when I met her, I fell in love with her. Yeah, is she the coworker or is she the girlfriend of the guy? She's the girlfriend of Colin, the coworker. Gotcha. Um, but I, like, I really like them both, and I really like him. He's really easy to, to talk to and get along with. Like, that's part of why I thought he would be a great addition to the team. But once I met her, I was just like, um, nah, we're going to be great friends. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, and another girl, like her and I are kind of the same. It takes a while to warm up to people and make new friends. Unless it's just like this magical immediate thing. Like, you know, you and me and that was, that was just immediate. It really was. <laughs> it really was. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it just takes time to build up that trust to open up to people. And it just kind of felt like things were cooking not so much in the last week but you know maybe I'll give it like a few months of new friendships that are growing um outside of that I did mention my new boo so that's a thing (laughs) I love him and I love how precious y'all are together oh we're so cute and weird together it's great (laughs) it's really great it's just we keep doing things and we catch ourselves and we're like, why are we so weird? <laughs> but it's great. Now his name is Corey and he's adorable and sweet. And he's making me realize, oh, this is a healthy relationship. Okay. Yes. And you guys are a hinge success story, right? We are. Aww. I was fully ready 
to give up completely in general, like dating. Um, well, I tried Hinge for two hours one night and deleted it because it was like 18 coworkers and <laughs> old people and somebody spelled it numchucks, so I deleted it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I tried it again. I was like, all right, let's, let's give it at least 24 hours, not two hours, Stephanie. And had a couple conversations on there. You know, they were nice, they were pleasant. And then he popped in and we had a very good conversation. Didn't feel weird. Didn't feel like he was trying to get anywhere. So we met for drinks, had our first date and it just continued from there. And I kept like trying to force us to take it slow. And like, I was very, it took me a while to really open up to him, which he knew and he understood why. But at the same time, it was like, four dates in and we're like yeah let's be exclusive <laughs> you really and I was just like oh okay but then at the same time I just saw how much fun you were having and like you were talking about him all the time like it just made sense yeah. and I think that at this age like who has time to be dating 35 other people oh god no one like nobody I don't know how people do it I don't know how people do it either because I can't even mm -mm, no so it's been going very well since. Um, yeah. And he's like me. I mean, he likes having his space. He needs alone time. So whenever we spend too much time together, we're like, all right, I need to go be alone and do my own thing and clean and, you know, use the bathroom and do the things I can't do in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> use the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, those things, so... Well, that's, I love how y'all respect each other's space. I'm excited. I'm excited about this for you, boo. Because, you know, you're my love, and I want to see my love happy. Yeah, and I think I realized this maybe a few weeks back, but I was nervous about introducing him to my family and my brother. He hasn't met my brother, but Jason knows about him. Mm -hmm. And my mind is like, oh, are they going to be, like, judgmental? Because, you know, she's protective and likes to be single. And we know her last relationship. And right. are you good enough? And I don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're just like, no, you you take care of yourself. You're very strict on who you want into your life. So yeah. you, you like him. So we like him. And they just welcome him with open arms. That's great. Yeah. That was I think that you have definitely set a clear reputation for yourself that you advocate for yourself and mm -hmm. you know you might wallow in some some mistakes for a little while but you always sit and take inventory and course correct yes oh yes that's good so that's a good way to put it it's the mm -hmm. trait i'm proud of i'm proud of it too i think it's one of the one of the traits that i inspired to have and i like having you in my life as like an example of no oh. You know, I need to, I need to be honest with myself and be a self-advocate like Stephanie. Yay. Mm. Important to be a self-advocate. Thanks. Yes. I had a third thing. Oh. Oh. What? Oh, well, after all those other things, it's really not that. <laughs> well, it's just a new fitness regime. Regime? Regimen? Regime? I think it's regiment. Regiment. Regime is like a military. Oh. <laughs> I have a new fitness regime. Yeah, 
Okay. Well, I have a new workout plan. I'm going to a trainer now who's whipping me into shape. And he's bumping up the weights every week and getting me stronger. But on top of that, I've kind of uh, built upon a new mindset. So the number on the scale isn't going down yet, but the body fat percentages mm-hmm. and the numbers on the weights are going up. Mm-hmm. So that makes me happy because that just means I'm getting stronger. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not too concerned about the scale weight. I used to be like, I did have that little, you know, like, oh, body image and it's important to be healthy, body image, da, 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 da. you shouldn't let your number worry you, blah, blah, blah. And then I step on the scale and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. What did I do? Mm-hmm. I'm not holding that same mindset for myself. So I'm working through that and I'm continuing to work out. And the more I work out and the more that I do activities, of course, that bumps into your, what are those happy endorphins? Oh, those, yeah. Yeah. And happy people just don't kill their husbands. They just- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unless they're like sociopaths and they happily kill their husband (laughs) (laughs) i gotta get like uh applause sound effect for us like we gotta start having some like rounds of applause (laughs) for the awesome thing i do like i'm sitting here thinking i want to be able to press the applause button for this like yes like a little kudos Mm -hmm. i need to work on that i'm sorry i'm yelling at my cats while we're recording excuse me (laughs) Well, what about you? What's new with you this week? Well, my dear. I have a lot. Oh, well, I think it's like big, but not really a lot. I just put a lot of notes because I'm an English major and that's what we do. Okay. <laughs> but the biggest thing is I've moved to D.C. Yay! I now live in the D.C. metro area and so far loving it. Yeah. Um, or at least so far not hating it. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's hard, like, I guess I want to, like, say I love it, but I also feel like maybe I haven't done enough to say I love it, because, like, if I was asked what do I love about it, I don't think I'd have an answer. Mm-hmm. But I know that I'm happy and content, and I don't want to leave. So, I'm going to say, I'm so far not hating it. And you know what? That is important enough to be happy and content with where you are. I think so, yeah. I have, you know great apartment you know it could stand to be a little bigger but i'm in a bigger city and usually the apartments are smaller in bigger cities um and i went from a two bed back to a one bed and i haven't been in a one bed since like what right right after i graduated from college i lived in one bedroom apartments for a few years and then i and then i haven't been in one since Um, but it's been good. I, um, am only a few miles from work. So I take the bus to work every time I go into the office and it is so nice to not drive to work every day. Like I basically never drive to the office. I take the bus every time I go in and it's, it's nice to just have somebody else be responsible for that. So I can just like decompress or listen to my podcast or listen to music or just whatever, get my mind in a Zen zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and not also have to deal with the stress of traffic. So that's been, that I've so actually great. really been enjoying. Yeah, I've been enjoying taking the bus. Like I like getting up in the morning and getting myself ready and then walking to the bus stop and taking the bus to work and, you know, getting off at my stop and walking back. I have no issue with that. That is so nice. I mean, that's something that's missing in this city. Yeah. Because I, you know, you have to drive everywhere you go. And you do. tell you what, one thing that will get my 
rage going is driving in this town. Oh, yeah. Trust oh. me. Well, driving in this town is not much better, I'll be honest. It's probably worse. Mm, I bet. But I don't do it all the time. I just do it when I need to run errands. Mm-hmm. But I agree. Wilmington is absolutely infuriating. Especially now because the tourists are in town. Oh, yeah. And that was something else interesting about being here. So I guess here, and I'm specifically in Alexandria, but um, I'm so you like Alexandria is really like a large Wilmington. It really oh. is like topographically, not demographically, because there's many more people from many different other places yeah. in this area. But topographically, it's very similar. And there's lots of the same things to do. And but the thing about it is the summertime is the slump time here, which I think is so interesting because in Wilmington, oh. like summertime, like it swells. You well, know, that makes sense because you're just walking around looking at monuments and stuff and you don't want to do that in the heat of the summer, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sense. it's I found this super cute wine bar. I was so excited to become oh. a regular patron of. It was a wine bar and a bakery. Stop all the things, okay? Because you can tell me I can get wine and pastries and cakes in the same spot. Excuse me? Yeah. Well, they're closed now. So I never got to visit. And it was so cute, like garden style. It had all the, like, you know, it was very, like, the inside was very much like Tails. Mm -hmm. Only replace it with, like, more girly, like, pinks and stuff. Uh-huh. But it's still very posh and glamorous. And so Aww. I was like, this is definitely for me. Yeah. But no, they've closed. And one of the things that they Aww. said in the newspaper, they said that, you know, just business has been hard, especially with the summer and with the metro shutdown. So that broke my heart. Oh, no. I was so excited to be a regular, regular at this spot. It was so cute. Well, maybe they'll open up at another location or something when the metro is back in working order. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I didn't read much more because I was at I was doing a workshop, so I technically wasn't supposed to be on my phone. So I have to see if I can read more about it. But mm-hmm. so that was sad. But other than that, it's been nice just exploring a new place, um, being in a new city. I have been working on trying to find a church, so mm-hmm. I've visited several churches here, and I like them. Um, I've been gone out of town for last week um, for work, and then had my girlfriends in town this weekend so I haven't been in church for a couple weeks but I'm still on the hunt so we'll see what happens you know I'll just kind of let the Lord direct me as far as where I'll plant my feet but it has been nice just meeting new people in that journey and an experience in the community and seeing you know how and who worships together and and things like that uh one of the very first things that I made sure I did though when I got here was to get a new therapist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Too much shit is going list. on. I need a therapist now. Yes. Uh, so well, I... alone is so stressful, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and I really took that for granted when I was back home. My therapist was telling me this is one of the most stressful things people can endure. And with depression, it can really compound, you know, your symptoms or whatever. And I was like... I got this shit on lock. I've already got this lined up. I got that lined up. This is already paid for. This is already scheduled. Like, I'm moving like a pro right now, so I don't know what you're talking about. You really well, did, too. I did, but I also am not a psychological professional, <laughs> and I realized that I don't know what I don't know. 
So um, I listened sometimes to Therapy for Black Girls, and I, I was like, you know, I should check out their website because they, um, you know, offer uh, like a database, I guess is what you would call it, of mental health professionals in the area. So I went on there and found my new therapist, and I really like her. And so is she a therapist therapist or a counselor again? She is, no. So she is a clinical psychologist. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so I'm actually learning. Like, my counselor back home, he was great. And, I and I mean, if I was back home for an extended period of time, I'd still go back to see him. But um, I'm learning so much from her. Um, she speci- she um, specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy. Oh, okay. So she gave me, like, an introductory inventory to take to see if she would even be the best therapist for me, depending on what I'm dealing with, which I thought was really awesome. So it was one of those things, like, if I'm not the person or if, you know, my specialty or what I focus on is not what's going to really help you, I'm going to direct you to a place where I know you will get the best help for what you need. Oh, that's Uh, perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. It was great. And so the things that she explained to me just in that first um, uh, meeting, I was like, oh, wow. So she helped me realize that while, yes, I do have depression from, you know, situational depression, Mm -hmm. that she sees that I have a hell of a lot more anxiety than I do (laughs) And I was like, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, when we started talking about it, I could see it because I am anxious about everything but I don't register it as anxiety because it's just how I've been my whole life yeah and she's just like yeah what we call that is anxiety and even though you've had it forever (laughs) it still is what (laughs) just because it's your normal (laughs) doesn't make it any less what it is yeah "Yeah, I guess that's true so we're I guess we're kind of working through that. So my hyper type A is actually anxiety, but it is what it is. I, I can't imagine myself not like that. Type A personalities, though. It's yeah. Anxiety so. with it. I think so, yeah. So did so that. And then another big thing is I am finally starting to query agents for my book. Ooh. Yes. I, um, so I was in church. One of the church services I went to, the pastor was talking about transitions. I think actually it probably was the first, my first Sunday or second Sunday. It was my second Sunday um, here. The pastor was talking about transitions. And, and I remember I'd prayed to God, Lord, I always prayed to God that my heart and mind are open for the message and that I hear him speak to me. Mm-hmm. Um because my anxiety causes me to be hella distracted. So it's like, <laughs> it's oh like my, yeah, so it's like my prayer really to pay attention. It's really all it is. So um, anyway, the, the sermon was on anxiety. And one of the things that the pastor said, which is a total cliche, I've heard it a thousand times. But of course, he just paint, you know, we talked about the Bible story and he and he used the example from, no. He used the example from uh, uh, Gideon getting a new name um, and the transition that was occurring at that time. I forgot where Gideon was. Anyway, um, and he said, you know, how do you tackle a big thing? You Or how do you eat an elephant, right, one bite at a time? So mm-hmm. you're in this transition and you're seeing all these big things occurring, but you really need to just 
understand that it's going to take one little thing at the time to, to get to the mountaintop or whatever. And for me, it just really hit home because I was trying to do everything at once. I was trying to do all of my DMV stuff. I was trying to, like, I was, I got here and I was trying to do everything all at one time. And it was just like, okay, you need to pump the brakes. And I was getting really overwhelmed by the idea of querying agents for my book because I know that for most people who go in the traditional publishing route, it can take a while. And I was like, I don't have the time to sit and write 20 query letters that are all unique to 20 different agents just to get rejected 20 times, mm. you know, but oh, that just helped me get perspective that I could just query one agent a day or one agent a week. You just eat the elephant one bite at a time. That's true. That's Oh my God. Yeah. See, my ass would have been like, okay, I got to sit here and do 20 at once. Yes. <laughs> That's so, so much simpler. It's so much simpler. <laughs> the pressure is off. Like it'll happen when oh. it happens, and even and ultimately, if it doesn't happen within the timeline I've set, I'm just gonna self-publish, you know. But I'm excited, and hopefully, somebody will pick me up. I am sure that they will. Yeah. You are putting in the work and putting in the effort, and God's going to honor that. I hope so. I mean, I'm doing what I can. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's the news, shall we decompress? I think so. All right. Oh. <laughs> Is this the silent for so long? I didn't think you were going to do your song. <laughs> I really wasn't, but it was quiet for so long. I thought you were waiting. <laughs> oh, you were waiting, finally. <laughs> so what are we drinking? What well, are you drinking, my love? I'm just drinking some LaCroix. Ooh, yay, what flavor? Lime. Ooh, lime, Yes. I, too, am drinking some sparkling water, um, some cranberry lime seltzer, Harris Teeter brand, because I have, I mean, I like LaCroix, but they're expensive. Um, and I feel like the Harris Teeter brand are just as good, really, so I've been buying Harris Teeter brand seltzers. There you go. Yeah, now, but I'm also... Do they put any sodium in theirs? Do they have what? Do they put any sodium or anything in theirs? I don't know. I've seen some sparkling waters at oh yeah it's got five milligrams of sodium really yeah but i, I assume that's from the carbon carbonation that's weird isn't that how carbon is created let me see no this one doesn't have anything i don't know i'm not a scientist sodium zero. Oh well this one has five milligrams how about that oh okay that's just rude well, if it helps, I did drink a little bit of pickle juice. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you drinking pickle juice? Well, I don't really know. Okay. It was fair. good, and I didn't want any toe cramps later. Oh, I got you. I understood. Well, I am also drinking some rosé from this weekend because the bottle is open, and I don't want it to go to waste. Yeah. Well, so it is albino. I don't think it's albino. Albino. Armani rosé. Um, mm-hmm. I'll put a picture up on our Instagram, and it is really good. It's extra dry. Mm-hmm. Um, but we cracked it open yesterday when we thought that we were gonna, you know, um, party down. Which I guess this would go into how I decompressed this week. My um, two of my college best friends came into town to stay with me for the weekend. We did a bunch of DC stuff, um, and so Fine. you know, night one you're always like cranked, you're good to go. 
we actually stayed in the house um, when they got here Friday. I cooked dinner, and um, we just drank and had fun, smoked cigars, and talked shit. It was great. Oh, and then yeah, it was really fun. And then Sat Saturday we did a bunch of DC stuff. So we got up, went to brunch. Um, <laughs> so my plan was for us to take a boat ride to the monuments, walk around and see the monuments, Ooh. and take the boat ride back. Right? Uh huh. Well, I told the guy, the ticket guy, that we needed tickets to the National Harbor um, when I was supposed to say District Wharf. Because the National Harbor is in Maryland. Oh. <laughs> in the opposite direction of all the monuments. And I was just like, I can't believe I did this. So we had a nice little boat ride, but then we, I still had to call an Uber for us to go back to D.C. <laughs> we did that. We walked around, saw some of the monuments, because my friend Tanya had not ever been to D.C., um, so took some pictures and then um, caught Uber back home because they were like pooped out from all the walking. Oh, and, you know, I was going to troop it out since I was the one that made the mistake. And they were like, no, we're getting an Uber. We're going home. <laughs> <laughs> so we all came back here and just chilled. After that, took a shower, just chilled. And we went to dinner. And so we were all like thinking that we were going to keep it cranked for night two. Came back, popped the bottle, had a couple drinks, and I was, like, fighting sleep. Like, I was, like... Oh, my goodness. I'm ready to pass out. Well, I made, what, two Manhattans before we ha started drinking the champagne. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, my body was like, all right, we're good to go. Time to shut down. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think we all went now. to bed early. Yeah. Uh, well, That's relatively early. Too. Yeah, I think it was, like, what, 11 o'clock or something, and we all just were, like... Well, I, nah, I'm time for bed. It's so hard to get lit like I used to. Like I don't know what it was. I used to be able to stay out until one a.m. Like, like even last night we were back home by eleven. I'm like I'm freaking exhausted. Exhausted, right? Yeah, I'm right. exhausted. I ain't got time for this loud drunk people anymore either. At all. So mm -hmm. that's how I decompress this week. But how about you? How nice. You well, I have some new furniture. Um. I bought a new bed, a new bed frame. The one that I had was, it was from Wayfair, but it was of the press board. Yeah. Uh, and it had the drawers and storage on the side, which was very convenient. But it just was not as good quality as it pretended to be. Right. So, and it was like a platform bed and with the little slats that you put your mattress on. And I realized after I started looking for the new bed frame that the slats were vertical instead of horizontal. Hmm. So that's weird. Um, anyway, so this thing was trash. So I have completely disassembled it. All the parts are sitting next to me right now in my office. <laughs> I'm waiting for Restore to come pick it up. Um, and I bought a new little entertainment cabinet for downstairs, put that together. My new bed came in, new cabinet came in, so I just spent a few days this week, like an evening per piece of furniture. I disassembled the bed, and then I was like, well, maybe I'll wait and put the bed, new bed together. I was like, oh, no, we're doing this now. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I had the mattress against the wall. I had my audiobook going. 
and I just built this entire bed and I rearranged the bedroom and it looks so much bigger. And now I can get my little cowhide rug out. So she's on the floor. It looks so much brighter and better in there. And even downstairs, put to put the cabinet together the other day and moved another cabinet that I was using for my TV upstairs. So now that's my new bookcase. So I'm getting rid of two pieces of furniture Look and built, put together two new pieces. And it makes such a difference. So uh, like putting picture. together the furniture you get, I mean, it's not like I'm building it, building it, but yeah, I'm following the instructions and building it, but it's so therapeutic. And I feel so accomplished after I do it. And plus I clean as I go. So the place is clean when I'm done. <laughs> That's fantastic. I do the same yeah. thing. And there is a sense of accomplishment when there you finish it. really those. is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like even it's a little bit messy in my office, but even once that is taken away, it's going to feel like a new place because I signed the lease for one more year, which doesn't necessarily mean I'm locked in for another year in case yeah. I want to transfer to another unit or move into another house completely. Yeah. Um, the place is at capacity, so they would not have a problem subletting this place. Um, but I figured, you know what? Let's just make this a happier place for me to do what I can to make myself love it more. And I'm working on not getting angry when I hear my neighbors. <laughs> <sighs> I'm working on it. Yeah. They should work on it, to be honest, but I'm just going to work on it for myself. That's all you can do. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. So that's how I decompress that. And, um, oh gosh, I had something else and I completely forgot. Some elevator music. <laughs> oh, well, plants. More plants, of course. <laughs> you are the plant lady. Oh, I guess I got some plants too. But that I didn't do that this week and it's not really decompressing me. They're supposed to be doing the job, so. Yeah. I mean, I bought new plants and then repotted them, made some macrame for a new one so I can hang them up, and it's just like a little plant haven in here, and I love it. And my mom bought me some plants for my birthday, too. She bought me plants in dirt. <laughs> Dirt's important. She bought me dirt. I didn't mean for her to buy dirt, but she bought me dirt. <laughs> yeah, you need that. You need that. You need it, yeah. That's how I decompressed. It's been very nice. Well, now that we've established that we're rock stars, mm -hmm. is it time to move to the main dish? I think so. I'm hungry. <laughs> Cue the music. <laughs> main dish this week yum, yum. episode one new season we are doing reintroductions yes yay so we have our first new episode of the season but this is also a new first episode because we had to take down our initial first episode so if you followed along with us last season, then you know that um, my ex-husband took his life. Um, I want to say a couple months into us recording or into mm -hmm. us having started our podcast. And so for me, out of respect, out of love, 
um, out of mourning. Um, you know, there were just some things that I know that I shared about him um, in the first and second episode that I just thought would be too hurtful to keep in the land of, of internet world forever for me to even hear again and and you know possibly for anyone who's close to him that may come across or may have already come across our podcast mm -hmm. so we took it down um and but we wanted to pr provide for new listeners and even current listeners um still an understanding of who we are why we call ourselves the divorce Danes a little bit of our divorce experience because our motivation for starting this show was really just to be able to have a platform to talk about our experiences and and be a space where other women or men who've had similar experiences can identify and relate because that was the catalyst for our friendship being able to identify with each other and to relate to each other's experiences and we value being able to be that space for other people. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want that to be something that um, was missing. Yes. Yeah. So to get started, I guess since I've been talking, maybe Stephanie, you want to start and tell your divorce dame story? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. Um, it's been a while now, so... I haven't really thought about it in depth. Like it's not as fresh in my mind. It, that's interesting too, that we're kind of redoing our stories now that it's been after some time has passed versus the first time when it was fairly fresh in our minds. Right. So I'm interested how the story will go. Let's crack into it. Um, yeah. So <laughs> let's see. Am I going through my mind notes? I'm like, how far back in time do we want to go? <laughs> well, so we... why don't you tell us first what is your divorce date? Divorce date? I don't even remember. Oh, I always have to tell you. You do. What is my divorce date? <laughs> March. Oh God, I don't know the exact date, but I know it's March. Yeah, I was separated in January. And it was finalized in March. In March of 2018 uh, or 17? 2018, I think. 2018, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, separated 2017, finalized right. 18. Um, right, because if anybody who doesn't know in the state of North Carolina, you have to be legally separated for a year and a day until you can file for a divorce. And then it could take a few months for it to be finalized. Um, right. So January, 2017 was when I decided, uh, to take action. Um, it was, it had been a few months leading up to it that I knew I, I had to do something. Um, it was a lot of emotional abuse and a lot of passive aggressiveness on, on both of our sides, to be honest. Um, but I got a lot of emotional backlash um I basically didn't really feel like myself anymore and I didn't feel like I had any place of a voice and I felt like a villain um and he did not have a job for the longest time or I should rephrase that he's had jobs 
but it was interesting to find out during the separation process, talking to people saying like, oh yeah, I kind of knew like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They kind of, you know, filled me in and, you know, as others were filling, you know, my mom and him worked at the same, the same place and they filled her in like, yeah, he kind of did this. And I don't know if I'd really want to keep him. just kind of learning some things that further reiterated that I made the right decision. Right. But he was basically sabotaging his job so that he never really had to have either a full-time job or a job. I was basically a sugar mama, so was not happy with that. And I wasn't happy for the longest time. And I knew I had to make a change. I knew I had to say something. The biggest hurdle I had to get over was I'm about to turn someone's life upside down. And I had to get past that to be like, all right, well, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to make take proper steps to be in a happier place, in a healthier place, if you don't, in this moment, think about you right now. You need to think about your well-being. You need to do this. So it was after Christmas in January, I... Oh, uh, let me see. Details are following. Oh, they're back. Okay. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so his parents did come to visit. I did not know how long they were going to be there. I knew they were coming and they came and his dad left after I think a couple of days. He just wanted to go home. So he did. Uh, but his mother stayed around and he basically was working a part-time job so he had a lot of time to spend with her you know me I'm like well I have to work so um I think maybe I took a day or two off but I'm like I'll see you in the evenings or you guys really aren't high maintenance so it's it's fine I come hang out and eat dinner and go do things in the evening it's totally fine right. so I realized once it was just him and his mom I basically married his mother huh which, woo, which, you know, I, I know a lot of people have some similarities between family members and that can happen. But, you know, when I come home and I have to clean up the kitchen and stuff, I'm like, listen, listen, well, you've been here all day. And also, what did you do? Like you're visiting. You just went to the same restaurant three days in a row. What are you doing? Um, so I just kind of like that was my breaking point. And it was so awkward that I dropped the hammer then one, one night. I just couldn't handle it anymore. I didn't want to be around anybody. So I went to bed, quote unquote, early. And he came in. We had the conversation. And his mom was still there. Oh, that was awkward. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty like. awkward thing. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, I'll just wait until afterward. You know, I. That really was my mindset. Like, I'll just wait until afterward. But we all know we make plans in our heads and sometimes they don't come through. Um, or, you know, maybe it was just God being like, if you're going to do it, do it now. It's a good time. It's a good setup. Yeah. Because <laughs> then afterward, the next day, you know, he and his mom went home. Um, he got us some things and went home. So he stayed with him for a bit. I think maybe a month later, he came back, got his stuff and moved out, moved out. I went ahead and started the legal separation process, got a lawyer. Um, there wasn't a lot of drama with it 
at first there was, there was a lot of texting and, you know, saying you're going to fight for it. And I want to do, be better and do something. And I just, you know, even talking to other people, talk to some ministers here. Cause I just let them know, like, I'm a part of the, I'm a part of the, the church. I'm a part of the group. Um, pretty involved. So I felt like, you know what, you're going to notice that he's not coming around. So I'm going to let you know what's going on. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I let him know, sat them down, said, this is what's happened. This is why. And this is my decision. And they were like, okay, is there any room for counseling? Have you thought about that? And I was like, I thought about it. And to be honest, it's not going to work. It's a bandaid in this situation. And I'm not, I don't have the time to do a bandaid. I've, you know, he has, he made the comment to me saying like, you didn't even try to fix this. And I'm thinking, hon, I tried for years. Yeah. Years. So, but once I said that, I was like, no, it's not fixable. There's no, um, rehabilitating what has broken. It's and I knew once I made the decision, like the final decision, send my piece and count it to three. I was just thinking about that. Yes. Literally, that was just in my mind. Send my piece <laughs> and count it to three. Send my piece and I count it to three. That it was the right thing to do. And, and I, you know, my heart hurt for him. You know, it, it wasn't easy. I wasn't like, yeah, you're leaving. <laughs> it, was, it was like, I, I'm unhappy. This is, I, I think this is what we need to do. And, you know, it was... It was heartbreaking. It was hard. Um, but I don't look back on that decision because I know it was for the best. And, you know, hopefully we actually haven't spoken in, you know, maybe a year, maybe a year. Cause he texted one night cause he, he saw, he didn't really help himself. I don't think after the breakup or sep- what break, what is a breakup? after the separation and divorce, I don't think he really helped himself because he would continuously like look at my Instagram and watch what I was doing and watch my stories and like see me getting like changing furniture and rearranging things, you know, cause things are changing. I'm trying to make a new nest and refresh and like freshen things. Mm-hmm. And he made a comment like, Oh, well, who's helping her? Is she with someone already? Like is, who's helping her move all this furniture? And I'm like me, <laughs> excuse you. (laughs) I'm doing this. Um, so I could tell he was not really helping himself. And then it it was a year ago, I think in July, I had a friend visit. Um, and it was a guy friend, but just a friend. We were purely friendly. Nothing, nothing ever happened with us. And I think he saw that and sent a paragraph, which ladies and gentlemen do not send the paragraph. We know this. Oh, child, please just, don't. send that paragraph. It does not help. There's never a good reaction to that. I am a guilty party of sending that paragraph, too. Oh, yeah. And I've certainly been tempted to do it, knowing that I shouldn't. Don't do it. Just mm-hmm. don't. But I got a paragraph, almost a book, of, you know, just, hey, I think it's time for us to really just sever ties. And I don't, I won't contact you. I, I'll stop following you on things and da-da-da. And I'm just thinking, okay. I mean, I don't think he needed to say that. I think he just needed to do it. Just do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I think just sending that alone was a one last attempt to passively aggressively say, 
oh, I see you. You're doing things and yeah. hurting me. Like, just, I'm, I'm living my life here, buddy. I'm, I'm not with anybody. So anyway, that's basically, I think, I don't think there was anything else. I think we had some conversations here and there during the separation process. He didn't really fight for anything. He was like, no, nah, you can have everything. Um, you know, we do have two, two cats. And I said, you could take one of them. I mean, I know you really love Ocelot. And he's like, no, I don't want to separate them. That would be cruel. I'm like, I, okay. Uh, so he really not a lot of fight. Uh, it was pretty amicable mm-hmm. considering um, it could have been worse, but I, I still handled it in case it could be. You know, I got a lawyer for the separation process, which I know some people have skipped that part and have only waited until they needed to file for a divorce. But I'm like, I'm not taking chances here. I, I don't want to risk anything. Um, you know, there's one instance where he texted randomly one day and said, Hey, I might be in town on this day and this day because I need to get like brewing supplies and nowhere else really has it. And I'm thinking, you literally are in Georgia, right outside Savannah. There's a lot right. of stuff like that's a flat outline or ordering online. I'm like, I'm, I, again, the details leave me, but like, that was another little thing. And, you know, I let my parents know they were, they were in the, not in the process, but they knew about what was Fine. going on and mm-hmm. let them know about that. And they were like, yeah, no, hell no. Uh-uh. Dad was like, you can stay here if you need to. <laughs> So it's just like little things and I was very glad that I made myself go through the separation lawyer process or using a, a lawyer for the separation process plus a divorce law process. So that's about it. It's, it's a pretty tame divorce story considering. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that I think you hit on something that's important though is like I hate the perception of utilizing legal processes as something like that's impunitive Mm -hmm. um because I think that doing things like getting a lawyer in the early stages is smart Mm -hmm. um and it just helps protect you and your interests as well as him and his interests I mean the lawyer is not going to do something that's not within the law absolutely Um, is so raw and fresh as in the beginning right. so you need you somebody do that. who's not emotionally involved to exactly. navigate all that stuff for you i will say when i first spoke with the lawyer once i met her i knew i was like now nah, I'm, I'm you're it yeah um she asked at the end of the conversation like all right so are you doing okay you good and i'm like yeah i'm good i'm you know and i'm hoping he's okay too she's like i'm not worried about him I'm asking you. Right. I want you to be okay. You came to me. And I'm like, damn, okay. All right. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, but you need that. You need that advocate. You, do. you really do. Well, my story is, you know, much more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say action-packed. It's certainly... Uh, it's certainly not a, the same story. Yeah, it's not mild at all. Mm-mm. Um. Which, you know, for the sake of time and, and where we're at here, I'm not going to divulge everything. Um, yeah. But so I was legally divorced uh, May 4th of 2018. And for me, it's a day that 
I'm just not going to ever forget. Like, I don't even think that in getting in a new relationship or if I get remarried, it's like every time it will, I guess it's only come around once so far, but it hits me and I realize it, mm-hmm. like what the day is and, and there's emotions that, um, that I carry with it. And it's interesting because like the day that my grandmother died and my grandmother was my life, like that was my BFF. That was my mom. That was my, like, she was just like my best friend. Like I just loved her. And, you know, like, oh, I just can't even, there's no words to express how much she is, my boo. But her death day, I don't really carry. And I was there, like, I was there moments after she died. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I carried her with me all the time. Even, like, I remember even last night I was laying in bed. And I was just like, oh, it'd be so nice if Nana was here and I could just cuddle up to her, you know. Aww. Yeah, she just is, she's just the best. Like, she's just the best. But, so, I mourn her, but I mourn her differently mm-hmm. in the morning. But divorce, for me, is definitely a mourning experience. And I'm still mourning the the end of my relationship, even though I've moved on and I'm living a different life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, I was divorced, um, like I said, May 4th, 2018, following, like you said, a year-long separation from April of... Um, 2017 and I came out of an extremely tumultuous marriage Um, it is a large component of my therapy it is a large component of the mental health issues that I am dealing with now um, or mental issues that I think maybe I had before but really lay a little less at the surface than they do now Um, so, you know, in some ways, as morbid as it sounds, it might have been a way for God to show me things about my own mental health that I needed need to work on mm-hmm. um, and break some generational curses in my family. It just took a very yeah. dangerous situation and, and uh, emotionally draining situation for me to be in to get there. Uh, my marriage started to crumble not too long after it had been and like had started. Um And my ex-husband, while he carried, and I genuinely believe that he did carry a heart where he cared about others and wanted to um, help others, which was a big motivation for him going into law enforcement. Um, He just also battled such powerful demons in his life Mm -hmm. that he fell victim in a lot of ways to them and as as a result victimized me um and Mm -hmm. so he in our marriage he had um, a lot of aggressive behaviors he was never physically abusive but the mental and emotional torment that i endured with him um no one would, most people I think that are close to him wouldn't believe it in, unless they were there. I think um, one unfortunate reality of his suicide may be that they got an idea of just how tortured he was. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and that's, I can't like, there's no way for me, I guess, to say that and, and also 
express the the reality that I know that that sounds harsh. I don't know, or or maybe a little morbid. So I'm not meaning it to sound that way, but I, mm-hmm. but I think it's one of those things like it lifted a veil. Yeah. And I don't even think it lifted the entire veil because the truth of the matter is, you know, what I know about him and what I know about the things that I experienced with him, that I just know that his family and friends would not believe they would have had to see it with his, with their own eyes, the things that I, that I experienced with him. They only and saw it, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, they really did. And even him, unfortunately losing his life, I feel like was the tip of the iceberg that was close to the water, mm-hmm. but still wasn't what was everything carrying underneath. I mean, there were things that I discovered that I didn't even know while we were dating. And I didn't even know. Um, and I, I lived with him for a short time before we were married, but there were just things that I didn't see. And they didn't come out immediately. Mm-hmm. They came out progressively. And that's the hard thing, and that's a component of emotional abuse is that those things don't happen immediately because, and it's not, I don't think it's an intentional manipulation on the side of the abuser, especially someone who carried such emotional issues himself as my Mm ex-husband. I think that it is an unfortunate result of the things that he battled with and wouldn't get help for. Um, And so it it causes, it creates this like dangerous storm. And so, you know, there, I mean, there were many nights where we were up for hours, 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 not quite arguing, but also arguing, but Mm -hmm. he would be using these law enforcement interrogation practices on me to get me to confess something that wasn't real, but he had already (sighs) created in his head was real. Yeah. And I knew that and sleep deprivation is one of those things, but like it, it was, that was a, not a regular occurrence, but it happened often. Wow. Um, he was drinking out of control after, um, just a short while and he had never been a drinker when we were dating. He didn't, I was the drinker in the relationship. And, um, when we went on our honeymoon, you know, I just kind of encouraged, let's have a couple cocktails see if you like something because his thing was he just didn't like the taste of alcohol so Mm -hmm. I would have never seen what what came coming Mm. you know went from not drinking at all the only the strongest thing he drank was a coca-cola to drinking big boy bottles of vodka every week oh my goodness and I felt and I felt a level of guilt and as an enabler to that because Sometimes he would call me on the way to work. Will you pick me up a bottle of vodka? And I wanted to say no, yeah. but it it was a catch 22. A, it wasn't going to mean he wouldn't get it. It would just mean he'd go get it himself and then we would fight for it. Like either way, I knew it, it would happen. And then what I had to weigh out, what would that mean? And if I do it now or if he does it later, um, those are just two seem like they, <laughs> I'm going to say they're two small examples. I know they don't sound small. But they're two small examples because of the wealth of other other experiences I had with him that just show that I just had to go. And really, you know, um, I, you know, he spent there was months and months. And after a while, it became an every week to almost an every other day thing where he would tell me that I had to get out, that I had to find somewhere to live, that, you know, he was done with me. Mm -hmm. Um. And 
and there were times where I did. I went, I would look up apartments online while I was at work, or I would look at places to live. Um, and part of me was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then part of me was like, no, I'm going to make my marriage work. Like, I'm going to be a good wife. I'm going to help him through it. I'm going to help us through it. We did counseling. We saw two different counselors, one of which ended up becoming my counselor. Mm -hmm. Um, did all the work, did the praying, did the fasting, did the, all that. Um, but my counselor really saved my life in that he, um, he was the one that had suggested before we officially separated that we just have a trial separation. And I remember how, I remember when we were in that counseling session, the wave of relief that came over me when those words came out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. And I remember the, just the angry atmosphere and hurt. I know there was hurt. It wasn't just anger. He wasn't just this like angry, violent man, mm -hmm. but like this hurt and anger that just swirled around in him. Like our two different reactions. I was basically stoic and, and statuesque externally, but I knew how I felt internally. And I saw how the polar opposite of my internal reaction was being uh, personified in, in my ex-husband because he, I mean, he could have, he would have flipped the table, I think, if he, if he could have, mm -hmm. just in how he felt. And, you know, and he broke down over and everything. And you're going to leave me. And, and I was like, you know, if the counselor thinks there's something helpful for us to do, it might be something helpful for, for us to do, especially since you keep telling me to get out anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he, quote unquote, let me do it. Um, and, but from the outset, are you coming back? Are you coming back? Are you coming back? You know, and I said, the purpose of our trial is for us to work these things out. I never really answered that question because I honestly, mm -hmm. initially, I honestly didn't know. Mm -hmm. Part of me felt like, yeah, this is perfect. We can separate. I can get away from what I've been living in for a little while and we can talk away from each other. Mm -hmm. And I won't feel this like suffocation when I'm at home, wherever that home would be for that short amount of time. Yeah. And so I can think clearly and we can speak clearly. But, and one did of you, my. Did you think on some level you didn't want to come back? Like you oh, knew yeah. you didn't? On a okay. large level, I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. But I was fighting that part of me. Gotcha. So yeah, there was a, there was a great part of me that was like, praise God, this is how I get out. But I didn't want to get out. I wanted things to work. Like I wanted the piece that wasn't clicking and the part that was broken to get healed. And so I, I wanted to be wrong about wanting to never come back home. But the entire time that I was for the, I would say maybe the week and a half. So we were supposed to take a two week uh, separation and see the counselor within that time. But, um, the appointment for when we were supposed to see him, it was just me. But, um, I just, every day, multiple times a day, I was receiving phone calls, emails, text messages, whatever from him. Mm -hmm. Are you coming back home or you're never coming back home? You just wanted to leave me the whole, like it was always up and down. I miss oh, you so goodness. much. I love you so much up and down all day. And it was too much. It was too much. I was still yeah. just, I was in my friend's house with her family who were so gracious, but like I'm in her daughter's bedroom. Mm. I'm just crying the whole time. Cause I can't even like, I can't function. I'm supposed to be working. And so I'm 
at work and I'm really putting, devoting all of my, all the energy I have in my being into just focusing on work because if I took one second to think about something else, I would completely fall apart. Mm-hmm. So I'm living this life. Um, and it just became clear to me that I just wasn't going back home. Mm-hmm. That it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And um, I remember the night that I knew that I wasn't, that I was not going back because I had a, uh, I had a conference to go to with some teachers and um, the night before the conference, I could not sleep. And what I learned later was I was sort of on the verge of anxiety attack, but not really. I just, my heart rate was really high and I couldn't um, calm down. Mm-hmm. And um, this was before I learned the beauty of anti-anxiety medications. I will, mm. I will <laughs> name mm. no names, but so I couldn't calm <laughs> down because I knew that I was about to tell him that I wasn't coming back home. And so my friend um, that I was staying with, she gave me a little half of something because she was just like, you haven't even slept, you know, you're fixing to do this. And yeah. I told her what was going on. So, um, she gave it to me and I, um, talked to him. I went to the house and I was just terrified. And he, you know, he honestly, his reaction was just kind of like, I knew this, I knew that this is what it was going to be. It was very calm, but it was, but it wasn't a real calm. So he was calm and he wanted me to leave this recipe for this dish that I made when we lived together that he really liked. So I left the recipe. Just those um, random thoughts that you think you need to say in those moments. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I left and, you know, I was like, I'll, I'll schedule a time to come get my things, you know, find a place or whatever. And then it was more of, the, I, I mean, then it was just the experience of his up and down whirlwind uh, cyclonic type emotional um, erratic like erraticism basically after that because then it was like here's some apartments that I think you might like you absolutely hate me and all you know like and then it was just like the up and down roller coaster in my email Ugh. and um, and then to my work email I think the work email was what was the catalyst of outside that, of, yeah that I was just definitely not like after talking to my counselor and then that because they when you're at work they can read your work emails like mm-hmm. that's why you don't share pornos with your colleagues using your work emails because <laughs> all emails can be accessed and as a, a, a state employee the media can request the emails of teachers and administrators, et cetera, at any time and see them. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, they would need a reason, but they could. And mm-hmm. so, um, anyway, I was just like, this is, this is getting, actually, I take that back. The work email wasn't, the work email was the catalyst for me getting a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So the counselor, so, um, after I said I wasn't coming back home, um, and I saw my counselor and he became my counselor instead of our counselor. And I told him that, that, you know, I'd made that decision and we talked through that. And he had shared some things with me about what he had noticed in the time that he had been with us and the concerns that he had had for me in his, and what he saw in the interactions between my husband and I. Mm-hmm. And 
the relief he felt that I wasn't going back home, but also the nervousness that he had because I wasn't going back home Mm -hmm. and what type of, um, what type of Pandora's box that could end up opening, you know, because, um, that could send with Michael's or yeah, with Michael's unpredictable behavior, it was just, it could go one way or the other. And so then now there was concerns about that, my concerns for my safety specifically. Um, and so he encouraged me to get a law to get this lawyer that, um, he works with or has a relationship with. And I didn't initially do that. But then once I got that email at work, that's when I was like, I think I might have to get this lawyer, you know, because I was getting the up and down emails in my personal email and I was just, I wasn't ignoring them and that I was reading them. I was having emotional reaction to them, but I wasn't really responding to them or I was trying not to. But I mean, there were a couple that I got where I didn't feel safe at my apartment, you know, like I would go stay. I had a friend that lived around the corner and even though he knew where she lived too, I knew that with her husband being there, um, Mm. there would be a lot less likely of something to happen. Yeah. So I would go stay with her on nights that I just didn't feel comfortable. Or like sometimes I would be out, like if I was out hanging out, um, I would try to make sure I was home by a certain time and like uh, my neighbor was a cop and I would let him know, like if I was feeling something or if something had happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I remember one time I was out with my sister and we were just hanging out, just doing sister stuff. And I just had this feeling that I, that I just shouldn't go back home. You know, and mm-hmm. so I just, I just stayed with her, but like that, that was just, just having that experience is so surreal to me because I, like I have been through it and I'm here and, um, I can talk about it, but just knowing, like you said, how many people around me were actually worried that I wouldn't be here to talk about it yeah. and that they were seeing things that I wasn't seeing um, not to that gravity or that I would have thought that they were overreacting about. Nobody ever expressed it to me though. Yeah. Um, it was just like once I was gone and, you know, with some of the people I was close to, what I was sharing first, you know, they were absolutely shocked and appalled, you know, with very select few people I've shared more, many more details than others Mm -hmm. about what I experienced with him. And they all though separately had the same, comments that or the comments were very related um and even my grandmother who's been in a abusive relationship before and her um, relationship was physically and emotionally and all that and she she was seeing things that were now she was she was telling me because nana was never one to just sit (laughs) silent no um she wasn't gonna do that um but she was gonna be loving and she was gonna respect and understand that you are an adult and you make your own decisions, but she was still going to speak her mind. It was something I absolutely love about her. One of some of my favorite memories, just her choosing to not sit silently about stuff. But she, but she also expressed to me a lot about her um, feelings of seeing similar behaviors in um, Michael as she saw in my grandfather when they were married and just, being concerned to the point where like I have an uncle that's a a retired NYPD officer. She would talk to him a lot about things going on to, to know whether or not she should go do something, you know, little old 60 something year old her, she's going (laughs) to, what's she going to do? But I mean, she was a fighter man. So she, she would be prepared 
to go do things. And she was, you know, um, I think that having her and having her support and having her honesty too was helpful for me so that when I did leave, you know, we could talk about those things and she could talk to me about the things that she was concerned about. And I could talk to her about the things I was worried about. And, um, once I, I know there was still like once, um, I was divorced and it was legal and it was done. Like even then it didn't like, there was a, there wasn't really a relief. It was just like a feeling of an ending and I wasn't happy. You know, like I think it's a, I guess some people can be happy, but like it wasn't a happiness in that like, praise God, I'm knowing that Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, this is finished. And now I gotta, I gotta deal with the things that I've been carrying with this, but it was finished and also not finished yeah. for me because I'm like, you know, he still knows where I live and he still, you know, can look me up. And, and there are so many other things that I'm still, I would still be worried about and I would still be scared about. And, um, I was still like checking my house for bugs to see that if he had bugged my home long after we had been divorced, just because like, it wasn't leaving me, yeah. like it wasn't leaving me. And then, when he took his life that was just like that was just still like a wrecking ball hitting me like I was just destroyed you know and of course because I loved I still I still love him and I and I understood like even in his tormented behavior and even in the things that are abuses that I experienced I still love him in the person that I know was sitting inside of this encapsulated shell of uh, just demon attacked, uh, hurt and abused himself and, and just sitting inside of the shell of all these other things that the person inside was not all of these things. And I loved the person inside. Yeah. You know, and I still love the person inside and I still, and I prayed for him even, I probably prayed even harder for him after he passed away, just praying to God that like, that he was now in this stage where he's in the stage of existence. Cause I don't believe that death is the end. Death is a doorway. And I just would pray that now that he's in this new place of existence, I pray God that he's experiencing all the love and all the, like the joy and that he's experiencing all the things that he wanted so bad while he was alive and on this earth. Now that he's, he's crossed over and he's with you, you know, like I am not one of these Christians um, who sits and thinks that people who kill themselves immediately go to hell. I think that that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. It's absurd. And I don't think that anybody gets to determine who goes to hell, who goes to heaven, who lives in paradise on earth. Nobody gets to choose that except for Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, making all these judgments that aren't yours to make is just absurd. But what you can do is pray for people, you know, and I don't know how many people prayed for him while he was alive. I know I did. I know my grandmother did. You know, um, I'm sure that his family did, but we just didn't have those conversations. But, you know, I felt like in that moment he needed to to still not be alone. 
you know, and, and my being, my praying for him at the very least would be a way that I could still be there for him, even though I couldn't be with him, you know, and I would still pray for him when we weren't together for those same reasons. Like I can't be with you, but I can pray for you and I can hope that you can win this battle in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) that's a, probably a good place to kind of stop as far as because also <laughs> I'm like crying oh, but <laughs> it's that's um, a tough story it's, it's a tough yeah it's a tough story so, and it's a tough situation and yeah. part of me is like I hate like I guess I don't I've not ever thought sat and thought about whether or not I wish I didn't go through it. I certainly wouldn't choose to go through it again right but I I sit and I think about the the strength that I have garnered coming out of it, you know, mm-hmm. and the lessons oh, that absolutely. I've learned and how much more assertive I am and definitive in the things that I will and will not tolerate out of any individual, um, whether I'm in a relationship with them romantically or not. But, you know, those are the things that I was able to take away. But then I also have so many other things that while well, I'm, I'm back in the, fun-loving, you know, glitter, sparkly personality and that I am, <laughs> you know, there's still a lot of stuff that I will will and have to work through and will be working through for a while because Absolutely. it's just so heavy, you know, and it, yeah. it's just not easily unpacked. But, yeah. um... And just going through a divorce, I mean, you can even go through something similar with a long-term relationship. I mean, that maybe you're not married yet, but still there's something about that process of being married and basically swearing yourself to this person and committing them to yourself to this person. Um, That's hard to work through and it's not an overnight thing. It's not even a one year thing. It's a long time. I mean, Uh, it's been two years, two-ish years, a little over two years, right? Yeah, two yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I'm. We, we we still run into moments where maybe we think we're over it, but and we are. We're healed from it, but it's just little thoughts that could happen to be like, oh, huh. I need oh, to yeah. assess why I'm thinking about this. Mm-hmm. I know I've definitely run into that. Some. Once I decided, oh, I like this person enough to date them and be with them and have a boyfriend again. That took so much energy to decide that. (laughs) Yeah, right. But once I did, like, I found myself rethinking, or not rethinking things, but having those thoughts that would either creep into my mind and I'm thinking, why am I thinking this? And Mm -hmm. I'm trying to analyze why these thoughts are happening. And it's because... We went through something, whether it's a story like yours or even a story like mine where it was mild. I mean, I had I had to work through some things and I still am, you know, because I don't want to bring, I'm learning how not to bring my baggage into a new relationship, which I say that, but also I don't know if saying having the baggage is the right thing to say, but yeah, because working think so past it. Yeah, mm-hmm. those experiences influence you and yeah. the choices that you make. So in some degree, they're going to be with you whether you want them to or not. Yeah. It's just how that gets expressed, I think. Mm-hmm. Like not jumping the gun. Right. I know a bad 
bad habit of mine. I actually have only recently learned was I can get defensive about things. I can. And I'm, that's something I'm now like, okay, how can I not immediately get on the defensive and angry about something that I've clearly overthought and misheard? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. Well, I think that we have reintroduced ourselves well. I think so. so. That's us and our story. And I think we opened up the door to some potential future topics as well. So Yes, I agree. And I think that'll be good to talk about some of those things a little bit more in depth and, and see what um, some others might even have to say about it. Um, but I guess we can talk a little bit about another reason why we're having a new first episode is just some of the things that we've learned in having completed our first kind of rough draft first season. Mm -hmm. Yes, our launching lessons. <laughs> I know one in particular, especially for me, was a discipline. That D word. Yes. <sighs> to keep up to date with our notes and the planning and even the graphics and our branding. Um, yeah, I got a little lazy on that, I will admit. So that was a, a lesson on, hey, I need to be a little proactive on this. <laughs> and same here. And, you know, I don't think we were off to the best start today, but we will get better as far Is as... Is anyone season one perfect, though? <laughs> I'm sure not. I'm sure not. But see, that's our anxiety again. Mm -hmm. Rearing its ugly head. But yeah, definitely the dedication to making sure the notes are prepared planning for what kind of topics we want to discuss and whether or not we've got to like pull sources or whatever, you know, we want to do for that. What's going to be fun and still interesting. And then also making sure that, you know, we have our sound figured out, you know, we had a period of time where we were getting this weird sound. Did we ever figure out what it was? No. And I pray to God it never comes back. Oh, and I think I remember hearing it in another podcast. A random episode. Oh, another podcast. It or... was. Oh. Yeah, just another podcast completely. And I heard the noise and I was like, there it is. Yeah. What is it? It's Maybe something. it was just a software thing. It might be. And the great thing is, um, you know, I am a part of the Cherney marriage. You know, I'm Natasha's sister wife. You know, Adam is our husband that we share and I love him. And <laughs> I can just reach out to him anytime. I don't carry any responsibility in our marriage outside of just whatever I want. Mm -hmm. So I can just reach out and be like, Adam, my husband, I need you to fix the sound problems because Stephanie and I just can't do it. Yeah. And he's like, I will wife. And he does it. It's great. <laughs> it's a good relationship. Yeah, it's a great relationship. <laughs> so we hope that as we move forward into our other episodes, we're going to be putting these lessons into play and bringing you um you know more quality content mm -hmm. and you know i mean but i mean of not that learning... they were bad no i mean no. our episodes were great don't don't get me wrong if this right. is your first episode which it shouldn't be you should have also listened to the previous ones mm -hmm. then you already know because of listening to the previous ones that this is a great podcast yeah it's just two friends on here you know running our mouths and trying to be you know the advocates and cheerleaders for people yeah. going through, you know, rough times and divorces. Trying to better our lives in the process. You know, just a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. and yeah, and it's, and also, I mean, in case you maybe haven't picked up on this, 
But we are recording from two different locations in the United States because, as Anne mentioned, she moved. And I am still here in Wilmington. So that's another interesting, I guess, challenge. It could be a challenge. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so far, it doesn't seem to be um, recording via Skype or whatever we may settle on. Right, yeah. So that's a little learning process, too. But so far, so good. I just log into my computer. I'm there. Yeah, so far so good. So yeah. we're working out how we're going to do this kind of um, not being in the same spot thing. And hopefully that's not going to affect anything our, of the listener's experience. But yeah. oh, changes, changes everywhere. Changes are so good, though. I love they are good. love and welcome changes. Me too. And I yeah. think it's time for us to move on to the inspo spot. I think you're right. Okay, so, so my inspo spot today may be honestly something that you hear as a recurring um, thing, or I guess not theme, but just it's a recurring passion of mine, mm-hmm. something that I'm finding that is really um, being my dedication or I guess my authenticity and how much I actually care about this topic. I feel like it's being tested lately in our and I'm wanting to be responsive to it in mm-hmm. some way. And yes. I think that um, the pastor's message on how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, I need to keep that in mind in more than just how do I tackle big things that I need to do for myself, but also how I tackle things that I care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my inspo spot is that for, I guess, if you wanted like a quote, um, human rights are just that they're human rights yes. and they're rights that we all have as human beings. Yes. Um, when I was in the classroom, I taught a unit on human rights mm-hmm. and it was in preparation for the students to read Holocaust literature. I needed, I thought it was important that they had a, um, context with which to work through these pieces of literature because they should not be taken at, at face value. There's mm-hmm. so much more there. And, and for me, as a teacher, I felt it was my responsibility to ensure that in my lessons with my students, I was bringing them more than just information. And as an English teacher, I have the privilege of being able to do that and to provide students with social context to things that will help them not only perceive the literature um, better, but also to understand the world around them. Mm-hmm. And so there, I taught a unit on human rights in 10th grade every year. And we looked at the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and we looked at each of the, um, the I want to say, it's not an amendment, but articles. So we looked at each of the articles of the human rights. What does this article mean? Um, why is this article important? Why do you think this is a human right and not just a law or not just an American privilege, mm-hmm. um, you know, because like our constitution has rights, but these rights are really American rights because yeah. they are what we have decided in America is what every American has the right for. But the human rights are applicable to all human beings. And so we talk about why are these rights important and why is it important that it has a global scope? Yes. Um, and so many I could rattle off, but you know, the right to 
personal, and I don't know them by heart, so you're going to have to forgive me. I'm 100% summarizing, but <laughs> right to personal security and the right to be able to seek asylum in another place when where you are is persecuting you, the right to food and water and shelter and the right to education. I mean, there are 30 articles in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Mm -hmm. And it, it beyond pains me to see, it always pains me to see people's human rights being violated. Yes. This situation with um, the immigrant children and the immigrant families, not just the children. I care yeah. about the adults, too. Mm -hmm. The families being in these detention centers breaks my heart. Yeah. But I want to make it clear that it also breaks my heart to see somebody look at, or at a homeless person and be degrading to them because they're homeless. They yeah. have a right to safety as human beings, even if they're homeless. Absolutely. You know, and... Poor people have a right to eat and shouldn't be priced out of being able to do so. Yes. I have a passion for exactly. all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I want to express for my inspo spot that if you also have a passion for all of those things that, and you want to take action. Like I had been sitting here for weeks, like, how do I take action? What do I yeah. do? Because I want to do something because I want to help. And I want to show that I care about this and I'm not going to, I don't want to be, the person who sits silently by and just shakes my head. Oh, what a shame. But I never actually did anything. Yeah. Um, and so my inspo spot is just to keep in mind that you each elephant one bite at a time and you figure out what's the small thing. So mm -hmm. like for me, I know that one of the things that I care about, I mean, I've always cared about as an educator is that I think that lunch should always be free at schools. I think it's absurd. Oh, us have yeah. to buy their lunches. Um, I think that we're, we should just be providing these food, this food. Yeah. And so many kids don't eat at lunch because they're in poverty. They're poor. Yeah. They can't afford it. And, and sometimes it's really the students who are in kind of that in between where they're not so poor that they qualify for free or reduced lunch, mm -hmm. but they're not so well off that their parents can pay what, uh, $15 a week per child. Yeah. for them to eat lunch. That's not even breakfast, you know. Sometimes they're there for breakfast too. So, and I think any child any child of any any uh income bracket family should just be if they're going to public school, public school includes lunch. Mm -hmm. Um so like one small thing I'm going to do because I realized that I could have been doing this the whole time and I don't know why I haven't and I'm ashamed of myself, but it dawned on me, one small thing I can do is just devote as much money as I can a month because my spending money, my spending check, I only get once a month. <laughs> um, I can go to a school and I can pay off some lunch charges. That is a small thing that I can do. Oh. And it seems very small and innocuous. And when an anxiety ridden person like myself thinks about how big the problem is and how small that is, I think, well, that's not going to actually help anything. But it is going to help that child and it is going to help that family. And it's my small way of being able to contribute to something that I care a lot about. Um, and I feel like I haven't figured out how do I help the detainees and how do I show, you know, because the human rights issue is such a big issue mm -hmm. and my small contribution in one place or another, I'm still going to carry this guilt that I'm not helping in this place. But, you know, I try to pray that away because that's my anxiety. 
But so my inspiration or my inspo spot is just that if you're feeling pulled to a place, if you're feeling passionate about something, but it's just so big, you don't know how to tackle it. You just tackle it in whatever small way you know that you can start with and Mm -hmm. just start with that and know that even that small step and that small baby uh, thing is moving toward the bigger initiative. And so that's my answer. So I could go on forever. I have a quiet soapbox <laughs> when it comes to this. Everything you're saying is so great. And I agree with you. Um, it's, it's so perfect too. And I'm curious and I, I want to ask, like you're starting with your small step to make a difference with uh, the lunch money. So have you thought of other small solutions yet? Like, do you have like a small list of things that you want to do or have you... No just started with this one thing. Cause I'm yeah. also asking for our listeners as well as for ideas. <laughs> um, yeah, I have thought of a couple of things. The lunch thing came to me when I was um, talking to one of my friends on Marco Polo, because another solution or another thing that I felt like I could do to help, like with, when it comes to like calling congressmen and leaving messages, you know, you usually get like one of their aides or whatever when you call in, but I have done that several times I've called and said, this needs to stop. Even before these detention centers were actually in action, I was on the phone calling and saying, you don't need to be separating kids from their families. You make sure that my congressman knows this, blah, blah, blah. But I know how politics are, you know, but I knew that was like, at least I called because if nobody called, then it would seem like nobody cared. So at least you called. And Mm -hmm. so that's a small thing. And I thought about also like writing letters, like inundating my, my representatives, my congressmen, my senators, et cetera with just letters, you know, I could type up a letter template that could just be copied over and over and over again and sent every day. But of course you have to have the money for stamps, you know, mm-hmm. but you can do that. Um, you can do letters. Can you also email? I know email. I was going to say that. Lost. Yeah, you can do email. You can. Mm-hmm. So there are things that can be done, but um, I, I guess for me, I want, I kind of want to do those things, but I also want to do things that I know can have, more immediate impact because I don't really trust my politicians like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm not downplaying anybody who, who that's their, their mean. Cause like I said, if nobody does it, then it looks like nobody cares. Exactly. Yes. So, I know I have, um, I have donated to specific places, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause as conversations and as media topics arise, you know, people get in an uproar and they're like, Hey, this is wrong. What are you doing? And there's so many, they do. I'm, I'm happy now that, you know, social media is a blessing and a curse, but at the same time, if you're following, you know, I'm, I've curated who oh, I yes. follow. Oh yes. So they, I'm happy, especially with like artists and, you know, more influencers, like a higher influencer, they make a point to be like, Hey, um, I'm not just going to be the whole, I don't do political things. This affects everybody. Right. If you have, if you're not, this is not okay. Call the congressman, donate to here. Here are the places you can donate to that will actually do something and not just take your money and profit off of it. Um, so I've, I've donated to quite a few places before and you know, it's, it's a small thing and maybe that month I could only do like 30 or $40, but I do as much as I can and hopefully it helps. But no, yeah, exactly. The more that we, as our individuals, do these small things, then just these small things are 
ripples that affect on such a wider scale and it could be affecting more than we may realize. Exactly. And that mm-hmm. was the thing that I had to remind myself that, yes, I'm only one person and I can only do so much. Right. But I do what I do. And if more people around me do what they can do, then, like you said, collectively together, we're doing way more than what one person can do. Absolutely. And um, I and I'm glad you mentioned social media. Like I kind of have made this decision too, most specifically with my Twitter account that like I'm not going to shy away from saying the things that I believe and care about when it comes to human rights. And I think that, again, I don't want to be that because I was for a while. I was that silent person shaking their head. And Mm -hmm. I finally realized you cannot be that silent person shaking your head. You can't just like comments and things that, you know, you believe in. You need to also be using your voice. You know, I don't have a wide following. I don't have a lot of people following me and seeing Mm -hmm. what I'm doing. But for the people I do, they see it. And um, so I just feel like, you know, God's given me this passion for a reason. And he's he's commissioned us to care about one another and to care about each other's well-being. And mm-hmm. I just saw a place that my heart was moved to to start taking action. So, yep, I agree with you. I was in the same boat just thinking, oh, I don't want to get political. I get mad or mm-hmm. people just argue and I don't want to rock the boat. I'm like, you know what? Mm-mm. When you start messing with people's lives, yeah. breaking up families, yeah. taking away rights and violating rights, yeah. that's not okay. No. And it is okay to speak up about that because right. that's our right to speak up and say, hey, you are mistreating human beings. That's right. We have, we have a right and a responsibility, too, to say something. That's right. If you see something, say something. <laughs> Isn't that the bully thing? It is, is that the bully it's slogan? Really, it's really for anything at this it point is. in time. Don't it let has the government bully us. Cliche, but yeah, <laughs> it's still true. If you see something, say something. So it's very true. Yes. Well, girl, for my inspo spot, it wasn't um, wasn't along the human rights gamut, but I think it could still be helpful. I I wrote stripping away busyness, and I. Did, I did this recently. I almost I almost wanted to mention it in my decompress because it was part of my decompress for the last month or so. But, you know, I have a new job. I used to stream. Uh, we were going to start this up. I'm trying to draw. I have a new boyfriend. I'm just trying to do all these things. And I realized I felt myself getting spread thin. So yes. I had to take a step back and... Re- and I was like working like really hard and it was super busy. And what I was like, okay, well, once the busyness dies down, it'll be better. But then I continued to be busy because I was making myself be busy. I would come home and continue to work. Not that I had to, right? but because in those moments, like, you know, I love my job and I love what I do. And there's so many things I'm working on that I'm like, oh, well, well, what about this? And I need to make a note of this and I have to make a note of this. So I just come home and I'm like getting all these thoughts out and doing little prototypes based on these thoughts, just because they're there at the front of my mind. And instead of making the proper notes and documentations for me to pick it up later the next day, I was working on it. Cause I was like, oh, I may as well just do this now. So I took a step back from everything I made myself stop working at nights. Now I did 
yesterday pop online to make some notes from a meeting that I realized I didn't make the notes on, but I'll allow that. I'll yeah. allow five minutes. It's hard to not work at night sometimes. I get it. It is hard, but I'll it's allow hard. like five minutes just to be like, oh, I, I had this thought. Let me write it down so I remember it. That's great. But I made myself stop working in the evenings. Um, I stopped trying to log on to Slack to read conversations. Um, like it, I can get to this tomorrow. It's not a big deal. We're not nuclear physicists or anything. <laughs> Um, I also reevaluated my streaming. Um, so if some of you may know, but if you don't know, I do stream on Twitch as Awkward Bay and I just play video games and hang out. It's a lot of fun and I absolutely love it, but I took a little hiatus and it's been maybe a month now. I just, and I made the announcement because I was so busy that I had to keep canceling streams and it was every Monday. I'm like, I'm so tired. I don't have the energy. And I would always feel good when I did stream. But it was such a debate and I always felt like I was disappointing people to constantly be like, oh, I'm going to be late or, oh, I'm tired. I don't feel good. I, I got to cancel and it's two weeks and I've canceled every day. And I'm like, you know what? Love you guys. I'm okay. I'm just busy and I just want to take a little break, reevaluate some things, but I'll be back. And the response I got from that was, we love you. This is great. That We're here for you. We're happy you're gonna you do what you need to do girl you do you yeah Yeah. um uh, you know and I'm I'm trying to like take a step back and strip away these little busyness things and reevaluate like do I love streaming still enough to continue to do it and that is a question that I need to address and ask myself and find a solution for or do I need to restructure it somehow because I do want to get into drawing. How can I get back into that and make that more part of my life and continue to create things? Cause I, I love it and I adore it. Is that something I could meld together to have both of those passions? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm also spending time with my new boyfriend, which, you know, that's great. <laughs> it's <laughs> wonderful. And also, you know, he respects, we both respect that we have our alone time and our own lives and things we got to get done. So Great. Kudos to that. Um, so it's, it's really helped out. And I think I've brought down a lot of my stress by doing this. I mean, I still have to address certain things to be like, what, what all do I want to take on? You know, I'm focusing on, you know, I need to get back into a fitness routine that you know, I used to be much more active and I may not be as active as I, as I used to be, you know, let's face it. I was younger then <laughs> I'm 32. Now I threw my back out at 31 and it's still twenties. <laughs> yeah. It's just, God, just life. Girl. But, you know, I'm like, listen, I'm going to get myself back into working out. I'm going to get myself strong again. I'm going to start running. I'm going to try that couch to 5k. It just, and just like, once I got this nailed down, then I want to, you know, I miss dancing. That's another thing. I'm like, what if I do this once this is now a habit pattern? You really did love dancing. Oh, and I miss it so much. I really do. But just that little thing of stripping everything away and being like, okay, this for now. Now it's a habit pattern. Let me introduce one more thing. Do I like this within my routine? No. Okay, let's try this. And just like building the habit pattern so that I have a life surrounding me, me doing activities that really enrich my life instead of just keeping me busy. You know? Yeah. 
and keeping me stressed because, oh my gosh, I didn't do this today. Or, oh my God, I missed the dancing thing. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I didn't again. You do have to sit and take an inventory of what is truly important and and adds value, which is hard because you're like, I love so many things, but Mm -hmm. sometimes even the things you love, you have to prioritize. You do. Or it may even be like, you do these things in seasons. Yes, that's true. It it could be, I could get into dancing again for, for three months and I just take all these lessons and I learn some new moves, go to socials. And then maybe I just get busy again and I don't go to socials every, maybe just every now and then. But I mean, I didn't forget what I learned. Right. You know, I, I, that's still valuable information. It's just, you know, I'm not a professional dancer, so my life doesn't depend on it. It's okay. (laughs) You know, I, I don't have to beat myself up for missing a social other people who go all the time. That was the other thing too. I had to get past was that in particular, if I didn't go for a while and then I went, they were like, wow, where the hell have you been? Like, where are your priorities? I'm like, oh, excuse me. I like have a life. <laughs> I have a job and a life. I know this know. is shocking to hear, but I mean, my I life love doesn't revolve around this. I do this every day of your life. I, right. I admire that, but not everybody can. Right. <laughs> so that's my inspo spot for that. Well, I think that's a good one. I think that a lot of us are guilty I know I am of trying to do so many things and having to learn to pump the brakes and chill out. Yeah, it helps. It makes a difference. Yeah, it does. Okay, dames, that's our episode. Thank you for coming back again for another episode of the Divorce Dames podcast. If you guys like our show and you want to know more, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Divorce Dames. Or you can visit brodetnation.com. And please remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. And we can't get on Spotify yet, can we? We're not on Spotify yet. We have to be like uber famous or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Until next time, remember, feel your feelings. And you are victors, not victims. Bye. Bye. Bye.